Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey. Hi. I feel like I have way too many notes for this story. (laughs) Oh, that's funny because I have a decent amount of notes too. And it's a short, it's not really a big, long story. It's 151 pages. How do I have eight pages of notes? (laughs) Oh, girl, I don't know, but I'll match you page by page. Okay. So are, are you ready? I am ready to do this. Okay, today's book is Tribe of Midnight, book number one in the Sky God Tribes series by Iris Knox. And, and for one, she, she gets points from me for her name, Iris. Love it. Of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't doubt if she gets a wet panty just for that. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't start at zero like everyone else. You start her off at yes. one, probably. Yep, yep. My favorite flower. I think we should start with a dedication because I really love this and could so relate. Okay, do you want to read it? Yes, the dedication says to every girl who ever took a hit and got back up. Mm -hmm. Amen, sister. Amen. Yes. So after the dedication, we had something between that and chapter one. I didn't read that because I assumed it was the blurb. And like I've said before, I don't like to read the blurb before I read the story. But I did notice on Amazon that this was the author's debut novella. So good for her. Oh, good for her. I did read it because I don't pay attention to it. I just consider it part of the book. Okay. And was it the blurb or was it like a summary (laughs) of the story? I didn't read the blurb. Can I read it? Sure. It says, we are children of the light, of the daytime, of the dawn. Death meant having to face the decreased high court of the midnight clans that ruled in the afterlife, our greatest enemies who lurked in the dark while alive and ate our unfit souls once they passed on. The soul exchange was what we had sworn to, one of the many agreements we had made with our enemy. Our court judged their souls and their court judged ours. No, death was not an option. Whoa. That is so weird. That is not the blurb at all. I would have totally gone into this thinking something different, I think, if I had read that. I read it and still didn't think anything. I'm like, what's happening? (laughs) Well, after reading the story, I still don't really understand how that's relevant, honestly. Okay, so the blurb is, in the tribe of Dawn, one must always follow the rules. Never steal from a neighbor. Never curse the sky gods out loud. Never lie to the high court. Never wander into the East Woods alone. Never speak to an enemy clansman. Never approach the boundary. Never, ever cross the boundary. The rules must always be followed. Lillian Utopiv is wandering through the woods alone one afternoon when she sees a boy across the boundary. She knows the rules. She knows what will happen if she breaks them. With secrets unraveling at every turn and an enemy tribe Hungry for her blood, Lillian is pushed to her limits physically, mentally, spiritually. Her enemies want her to be a coward. They want her to spill her secrets. They want her to turn on the sun god she serves, but she can't, or her tribe will pay with their lives. Okay, so part of that is in the the blurb. They talk about the lavender fields, that you're not supposed to cross it. Yeah, the boundary... Yeah. The boundary. Yeah. So I only did part of the blurb in the beginning because there was so, there was a lot. So Mm. I think it incorporated 
what you're saying also. It's still really I'm on weird. the verge of needing to sneeze, so if I go away for a while, it's because I'm sneezing my head off. I was outside. That's fine. My no, allergies forget. are all messed up. I've been blowing my nose all morning. Great to be alive! In chapter one, um, our mystery girl is in the woods. She's wearing a red cloak and thinking about how harsh the living conditions are. <laughs> what? Something just rattled on your oh, end. I'm, That's why I giggled. I'm so sorry since you have that weird <clears throat> hearing thing. I don't know. I must have touched the microphone or something. It's just really loud. That's why I was laughing. Um, <sighs> I don't hear okay. it. Okay. So she hears a voice from a mystery man and he ends up calling her a dawnling. Yeah. So we're starting to realize that there's some differences here because she thinks, oh, he's calling me a dawnling. That's kind of odd. She was also praying to the sun god and she takes a guess that this person she's talking to is a member of the midnight clans. Mm -hmm. He's actually the first one she's ever spoken to. Oh, when she finally sees him, she describes him as having copper brown hair. He's wearing a midnight black robe. He has a broad warrior's shoulders and a youthful face. She says his skin is pale like moonlight and he has slightly tilted gray eyes. And she also guesses that he's close to her age, which is around 17 to 19 years old. He notices that she has red marks on her hands from where like I guess burn. she burned that. Yeah, yeah. on for, because she's the cook and he tells her I can heal those for you. And he, she's looking at the axe that's, he has an axe strapped to his back. And she's like, no, thank you. He's like, I just like a man fuckery. He's like, it was just an offer. I'm not planning to make you my bride, Dawn Cook. Well, she also doesn't want to get too close because she's not allowed to cross the boundary. So she's close enough to talk to him, but she doesn't want yes. to fall into any traps of his. She does ask him what his name is. And he says, come back here tomorrow morning and I'll tell you. Yeah, and she's like, I'm not doing that. But in her mind, she's like, I want to know what his name is. Yeah, this part I highlighted is what she thinks about after he leaves. She thinks, people rarely looked right into my face. But then again, this warrior didn't know me. He didn't know why people avoided me. I'd always imagined the Midnight Clans as being followed by dark air with ugly faces, savage hearts, <laughs> and bloodied fingers. Not as beautiful, youthful boys wandering alone in the woods who stopped to offer help to someone shamed by a red cloak. There's a lot I could say about that, but I'm not. I was getting a lot of handmade tale. Yes, that's what I the thought. Red cloak. Can we talk about what the red cloak means, or does that is that coming up later? Um, I don't know what you're gonna say, so go ahead and say it. Everybody is trained in both clans to be warriors and to fight, and if they fail at being warriors, if it's not going to work out for them, they're assigned some other task within the clan. And she was assigned being a cook. And the people that aren't warriors, you can denote that they are not warriors because they have a red cloak. They wear a red cloak, which is a symbol of shame within the clan because everybody lives to be a warrior and to fight for their people. Mm, okay. Yeah, I just got a lot of handmaid's tales vibes from the rules and the red cloak that's all i could picture was that tv show yeah i thought that too we find out that she has a sister and her sister she she says she's going back to the temple and her sister's there and she tells her sister that she was talking to this guy and when she describes her she says she flung her long black hair away from her face a replica of my own colored light filtered through the stained glass windows making her solid jaw and high cheekbones with i don't understand this because it says high cheekbones with green and bronze oh because of the stained glass duh <laughs> it's okay i didn't get it either until you started uh Oh, okay. Uh, I'm like, why the hell would her she be green? Okay, fine. Yeah, and she tells her sister that she met somebody in the woods and it was a midnight, a boy, and he seemed nicer than I thought. And her, her sister is skeptical and says, really? 
And Lillian tells her, and he's pretty to look at, too. Mm-hmm. Her sister says, I'm going to tell the high court in the morning, but she won't. A Lil- oh, so we find out that her name is Lillian. Did you already say that? Yes. And that her sister's her name, name I, have a hard, I have a hard time saying. The Raw? Uh, I, I was thinking Tora. Oh, well, that makes more sense. <laughs> it's kind of like Thor. T-H-O-R. And then it has an A-H. So maybe it's Thora. But I was thinking I Tora. I don't know. So yeah, Lillian says that she'll tell the high court in the morning. And we also find out during her conversations with Lillian that there's a boy named Rolander who is a young war commander who sits on the high court of Dawn with her father. And he's very interested in her. Lillian does return the next morning to see the boy. And this is what happens. Um, He says, my name is Wyron Emberlock. It says his voice made me jump. He was right in front of me, too close. Suddenly, two strong hands grabbed me and yanked me to him. And you're going to love the Midnight Clans, is what he says to her. And yeah, then once so, she's okay. over that boundary line, she gets a tattoo all over her arm. Anybody and that the- clo- that crosses the line, their clan will know they cross the line because a tattoo will pop up on their arm. It's called the Sky God's Curse. Because and you so broke the, the rule. It's a marking of very much like I was thinking Farah and Rissand with her arm full of tattoos as soon as she goes over there. Mm. Not that she got it because of him, but that's just kind of how I pictured it looking. Tricked her and obviously kidnapped her. And he's Mm -hmm. laughing at her because she's freaking out now. Yeah, the chapter ends with, nice to meet you, Dawnling. Welcome to Midnight. My note says, now the story starts to unfold with references to Lillian and Tora's childhood mixed in with present events. So a lot of the chapters open up with Lillian thinking of things that happened in her childhood with her sister and her dad and the warriors training. And I did not put any of that stuff in my notes. I just put a note to say that's how we learn a lot about her and her sister and their background is through these thoughts she's having of these like tests of like endurance training and things like that, that her really strict father put them through. Yeah, her father was not a nice man. He he was very hard on them. And her mom had died in one of the wars between the Dawn tribe and the Midnight tribe. Because apparently, is it once a a year, they're able to cross the boundary and through the lavender fields. And when they do that, they fight. I don't know why they don't just mind their own business and stay home. I think it's just years and years of feuding. And so, like, she wants to fight on the fields because somebody from Midnight killed her mother. And I'm sure people on Midnight want to fight on the fields because somebody killed somebody they cared about. It's all kind of the motivation of how they live their life almost is for this one event a year where they can go into this lavender field area and have their fights with each other and really just kill each other yeah it's it's kind of a sad way to live your life that's the highlight yeah is being able to murder people yeah it's kind of that would be a sad highlight to a life so he drags her to his house And I guess the tribe of Midnight sleeps during the day, whereas her tribe is up during the day. Yeah. So he tells her, "You need you need to be quiet so that you can I can sleep." Yeah, she thinks it's really drab looking, and how their village really is nothing that special. But yes, it is daytime. And so he ends up chaining her to a table so he can go to sleep. And like you said, the dawn and the midnight people have opposite hours. This was another thing that reminded me of Rasand from the Sarah Moss books because I pictured the midnight tribes as kind of the night court where it really comes to life at night. So now my note says the real torture starts with her and him fighting and testing each other's willpower and patience. They go to leave his house and she is stunned to see that it now looks really beautiful at night. Because like I said, during the day, it was really drab and boring. He tells her that he is in debt to the high court of midnight and he needs to pay them with information. That's the information that he wants her to give them. She refuses to tell them anything and then at literal actual torture begins. They start beating the shit out of her. It's horrible. Yeah, apparently this is what the high court does whenever they catch somebody that is either from an opposing clan or they've 
cross the line and they notice mm -hmm. these tattoos, you can't win in these clans. One way or another, you're going to get the crap beat out of you. Yes, and so he thinks that she's going to tell them everything immediately because she's a cook. What would it be to her? She can't return home to Dawn because the Dawn people won't want her anymore because she crossed the line. And so, of course, he's going to bring her to the high court. She's going to confess all the secrets. And, and he will kind of shocked when... Pay. Doesn't lost my train of thought. Oh, this by her confessing these secrets, he's gonna pay off his debt to the high court. So, yes, yes. but she thinks about her father and her sister, and she's like, I may not be a warrior, but I'm going to protect my people the way that I the best way I can, and I'm gonna not say anything. They really only want to know about something called the Fenner Act. Um, she yes, says that she does was... know about the Fenner Act, but she won't tell them anything. Oh, and also we meet a couple of people in this chapter. One is his friend, Besby. Is that how you say his name? I don't know how to say any of these names, so I could just call them A and B, but at least I'm making an attempt. Okay. And <laughs> Or bids by. And then also the woman is introduced that sits on this high in the high court. What is her name? Bethany? Yes, I think so. Okay. They end up breaking her nose. I mean, there it, this was a hard read. They broke her nose and at least two of her fingers. And she ended up fainting. It <laughs> says, I had fainted in a mass of my own body fluids. Oh, so sad. But she also thinks the fools hadn't even bothered to ask me my name. So here I'm like, okay, she's not just a simple cook. There's something going on with her. If she's thinking that if they know her name, they will treat her differently. Yeah, I thought that maybe she had magic. I didn't know mm. what she had, but I thought, oh, she's there's some there is something going on. She describes it as a mild beating. And that the Midnight Clansmen were holding back most of their anger. And it was only going to get worse from here. Well, this is a lot of this stuff that I'm not putting in here in my notes. Having to go back to all her flashbacks of her childhood. Because her dad was basically, or he is, I should say, the head of the warrior clan. So he's like the commander or something. So he makes his daughters go through all of this shit their entire life. That's pretty... Mm -hmm harsh when you read all of her flashbacks yeah to make them strong yeah. and to really challenge them so that's why she's got a very high tolerance for all of this sort of shit that's happening to her and he doesn't understand he's like why would you put up with that why wouldn't you say with anything say anything let me let me heal you so even though he's taken her in front of this council uh, he is offering to heal her and i thought okay and he says um if you try to escape i'm going to kill you like they told me i could that she wakes up in his bed and most of her injuries are actually healed but he tells her that he healed them so that they can resume the torture tonight and yeah. he instructs her to take a bath but he won't help her at all so she ends up passing out in the bathtub and he has to come and get her yeah he's mad she gets in with all her clothes on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she can barely move, even though most of her injuries are healed. She can't really move around. Mm -hmm. She's exhausted. And he calls her day witch. She's yelling at her. She's like, I barely felt insulted. He's like, wake up. Are you forgetting they've given me permission to kill you? Oh, it's awful. He does a lot of threatening to kill her. And mm -hmm. he does end up torturing her in his own way. Whatever this mystery debt is, he needs to repay to the high court. He needs her more alive than he needs her dead. So he mm -hmm. really starts to put her through the ringer here. Oh, that woman's name is Bethlen. Sorry. And he ends up dragging her back to the temple and the high court. She requests to go home and they tell her that she can earn her freedom if she passes some tests. So she asks for 12 days to heal completely before the first test, and they offer to give her six. Now, in the course of this story is when Wyrin starts to use those six days to try to break her and get some of her secrets from her. And so I just have a list of all the random shit he does to her to try to get her to crack. <laughs> oh, dear God. Yeah, go ahead. It's terrible. So for the first challenge, he gets her drunk and he humiliates her. He makes her drink a beer off the floor and kiss a bunch of strangers at the bar. We find out Disgusting. later that it was not open 
was saying it was just pecs, but still gross. Yeah. Um, she does end up getting so wasted that she confesses her name. And he tells her, I'll stop tormenting you if you tell me what you know of the Fenneract gifted. During one of their conversations, that's when we learned that her mother was killed on the Lavender Field. And that the Fenneract gifted are the two mysterious sun god-blessed dawn males who tend to find a way to win the battles. And she thinks about how she's not revealing anything because the history and mythology would say as much... And he says, just tell me if they've been born into your tribe and I won't torment you anymore. But she doesn't tell yeah, him anything she, more. He still continues to torment her. Yeah, she, in her mind, she keeps thinking of her sister and it, her, her sister's voice is telling her, stay strong. You can do this. Basically, her sister in her head, she's trying to stay strong because she doesn't want her family killed. Yeah, she doesn't want to tell them anything that would give them an advantage the next time they go onto the Lavender Fields. And she would basically rather die a warrior's death than be a coward and tell them things like this. He ends up changing tactics at some point and he takes her to visit what he calls a sprintling, but she calls yeah. it a core path. My note from what I put is this thing sounds like a demon straight from hell that is like a dragon. The creature is supposed to be one of myth and legend and can change the course of the war. And she decides that she won't try to leave the tribe of midnight until she's able to kill the beast. Because even if she's able to win her freedom during that test, it'll all be for nothing if this sprintling slash core path hell demon is released on the the tribe of dawn her tribe would be annihilated if this thing lives and she's terrified of it but she's like well this is at least what i could do this would be an act of bravery to confront this thing there were a couple interactions with people named kator and like you said bidsby cater hates dawn people and is starting some shit with her that comes up later in the books bidsby doesn't seem too bad and he tells lillian that she must remind wyron of someone but he won't say who and yeah, then this, part, what, this was confusing yeah, we don't really know who he's talking about. And if she's from Dawn and Wyron is from Midnight, then who could she possibly remind him of? That's the part that threw me for a while. Yeah, because um, the people from Dawn are all sun-kissed and beautiful. And the Midnight Clan people are pale because they don't go out in the sun. They're, they look very different. Yeah, but she is able to... Well, she's not able to. She gets locked into his bedroom one at one point. So she does some snooping while she's locked in there. And mm -hmm. she sees he's actually an artist. And she's looking through some of the things he's drawn. And she sees some pictures of someone who looks a lot like her. When she saw pictures of someone that looked shockingly like her, I thought he was maybe having visions of her. But it's an actual person that she reminds him of. Mm-hmm. Yes. So she does wake up in his bed again. At this point, he's in there with her. He calls her Day Witch. Like you said, she calls him Night Devil. I actually kind of liked <laughs> these nicknames. Thought they were yeah. kind of cute. Yes, they were. They go on their way to the high court for that test that she asked for. And mm -hmm. Kador stops them and challenges her to a duel. And he says that he will be her first test. And so he draws like a circle in the sand and they have to battle it out in the sand. This gave me more Pharaoh vibes because it reminded me of the challenges she had to do under the mountain. Oh, Yeah. So Cater has an axe. Lillian is only given a bow with one arrow, which yeah. is another thing that reminded me of Farah because she's always using a bow and arrow. Uh, she does end up kicking his ass, though, and passing the test, which was awesome. <laughs> yes. And he gets, he's furious. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that Bethlyn is his aunt or something. And Bethlyn is furious that she beat him up. And Wyron, yeah, he's super pissed. And he's finally convinced that she's not a simple cook. She ends up telling him, you didn't even think twice about my name, you sun god cursed fool. I'm Lillian Utopiv. My daughter is Commander Sorin Utopiv of the Tribe of Dawn, responsible for the bloodshed of plenty of Midnight Clansmen. Did you really think he wouldn't have taught me how to survive? Now he's like, yeah, oh, I fuck, I should have got somebody else from Dawn. 
<laughs> yes, I, I'm surprised she told. I was shocked when she told him that. I'm like, I thought the whole point was for you to keep your mouth shut, but now you've given him an advantage by telling him who you are and who your father is. Yes, but at the same time, I think she's also trying to tell him, like, no matter what you do, I'm not going to break, so just give up. Right. But he's so, he goes even more desperate at this point. Yeah, she's like, I'm not going to pay your debt off for you by, by becoming a traitor to my own clan. One of the nights after this event, he decides to kind of take a break from tormenting her so much. So mm-hmm. he goes out to play cards and he takes her with him and he's just basically going to torment her from sleep deprivation, not from actually humiliating her or doing any of these other things. That would work so, for on me. Oh yeah. So <laughs> she ends up starting to play cards at one point mm-hmm. and makes a bet. If she wins, she gets to pick a prize of her choice or something to that effect. So of course she does end up winning. And the thing that she picks is to buy a loaf of bread for a child she saw in the streets. He's like, why the fuck would you do that? That's a midnight child. You're from Dawn. Why would you care about one of our kids? He's starting to see her humanity at this point, I think. Right. Yeah. And a child is innocent. I mean, the child's mother is passed out in an alley from being drunk and the kid is starving. And the kid, she saw her whining, not whining, but crying, saying, I'm hungry, mom, I'm hungry. But her mother's like passed out drunk. She does this nice thing for that kid. And then I don't know if it's the same night or the next night, but he ends up making Lillian trade clothes with a prostitute and go dancing in her <laughs> flimsy outfit. The thing with the day the day tribe is that they love to dance and dance under the sun. So she and her sister are both accomplished dancers. Yes, but then he's like, I'm going to make you dance so much that you hate it. Rawr. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. He does tell her things like, I want a lot of things a day, which, but to my own irritation, watching you die isn't one of them. And so he's starting to kind of get soft on her, I guess. At mm-hmm. some point after this, I believe it was, she finds clothes in his closet that are women's clothes. And there was a dress, so she puts it on. And of course, he freaks the fuck out because apparently mm-hmm. this dress to that mystery woman that Mm -hmm. reminded him of. Now he finally tells her that that mystery woman died in childbirth. And he says that he didn't love her. And everything we did together was a mistake. But her memories bring back other things. Yeah. It's kind of sad. And then he also confesses to hating, tormenting her, but that he is desperate and can't stop. Um, There's just a ton of confessions in this chapter. Yeah. Um, He also confesses that he hates her because she can basically do everything or that he's jealous and he also says i was part of the high court of midnight i'm trying to pay my debts to get my chair back and that's when she realizes that their empty chair she noticed in the temple was his correct yes and then he kisses her in this chapter yeah my highlight from that was my pulse faltered when i saw what he was debating night devil but he tossed his caution aside and brought his mouth against mine so they just have a little kiss there i should slap him she thinks but i would have punched him in the face and kneed him in the balls it's like after everything is this what enemies to lovers is this is kind of like stockholm syndrome Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. He tells her, I hate you. She says, I hate you too, Mm -hmm. right? Yes, of course. They're just basically like, we hate each other. I've been a master at persuasion my whole life, but not with you. How do you not break? How do you withstand my cruelty? Yeah, and she's like, we have heartaches in Dawn and we learn to help each other during through the pain. Yeah, so all of this shit ends up happening. But the next time they go to the high court, she tells them, I will confess all my secrets, but I want to fight the core path as my final test. Yes. I'm like, and he's like, what the fuck sudden... are you doing after all this time? You're just now giving up. Like, why? He's yes. shocked. Like, what the fuck is happening here? But I'll take it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because this will pay his debt. Yes. And she says, once I reveal my secrets, I will be marked as a traitor to my tribe. So I want to die doing something that will make Dawn's remember that I was on their side. I will pay Wyron's debt to you. 
in exchange for my last test to be a fight in a circle drawn in the dirt against your core path. That is my deal. Yeah, I highlighted that too. And Bethlehem hates her so much, she jumps up and she's all done before the other people can say no. And she's like, mm -hmm. tell me about the Fenerac. And then she yes. she just spills her guts. She's like, uh -huh. the Fenerac is, is a blessing from the sun god bestowed on a pair of males, male warriors at birth in the tribe of dawn every hundred years. They're blessed with magic and other blessings. You know, the tw it says the twins from 100 years ago were able to create the boundary in the first place to keep Dawn safe. Yes, and to keep the battles fair. And, then, and, and that's what established the Lavender Fields. They ask, have the Fenerac twins been born? Because sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't. And she actually tells them they have been reborn. And every hundred years they are reborn. But sometimes yeah. we hide them and don't put them at the... We don't let you guys know that they're around. So she tells a bunch of other stuff to the High Court and settles Wyron's debt. But like the second they fucking leave there from the High Court and getting all this confession out of her, they walk straight out and caters there again oh. with an another challenge yeah but this, this time is... he's a bastard <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. it's like go but... take a nap dude somebody needs to put him down for a nap you're awfully cranky yeah i don't know what his deal is but he ends up fighting not her but this time he fights wyron and wyron ends up killing him well yeah and then it's all kinds of crap hits the fan but he you know makes a point of saying my debt is still repaid to the high court he did a fair challenge we have all these witnesses i didn't kill him for no reason i was just answering the challenge yeah but it caters the one that drew the circle in the dirt you know he has many witnesses but his friend Beth tells him she's gonna gut you before the entire city. Well, he also tells him that you're you look like you're defending somebody from the Dawn Court. So you need to spend tonight out with the midnight people kind of smoothing over all the ruffled feathers you did. So it's her last night and he leaves mm -hmm. her in the house to go out and do all this stuff and she ends up sneaking out to view the city one last time and to take one last look at the core path before she yes. has to go next day to kill this thing i really liked this part so <laughs> she okay they have a lot of interactions when she's she does a lot of cooking because you know she was a quote-unquote cook. So they talk a lot at the kitchen table while they're eating or doing all this stuff. So she's like making him breakfast again because that's what she does for them. She's making all the food all the time. And as she's doing that, he had grown lax and I think he hadn't really noticed that she wasn't chained up. So she ends up trapping him and locking him up with his own chain. And what? stealing his axe. Okay, when she goes to leave. Yeah, well, when she chains him up, she takes it. Yeah, I was too focused on what she tells him, though. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, my God, yeah, go ahead. So she says, you arrogant night devil, <laughs> hating a small part of me, the part that could be just as manipulative and cruel as him. Your high court wanted to know about the Fenerac so desperately. You wanted to know so desperately. You didn't even see what was right in front of you. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and, and I, I always worry when people spill their guts before the act is completed. It's like, could you wait till after the act is completed in the event that something happens? Mm-hmm. Yes, the villain monologue. <laughs> mm -hmm. So now he does a confession because she's about to leave him there. And he says, wait, I have a son. And the court is going to kill him for bringing her here if the court finds out that she's one of these Fenerac gifted and he says yeah. you know please don't leave me chained up here I have a son and it was actually my son's debt that I needed to repay from the high court not my own mm -hmm. and that right. his son had been locked up for something he had done that got him in trouble yeah and I love that she dumps all everything to him she says she's telling her sister about the layout of the boundaries of the city i could hear her voice the whole time through the beatings that's what got me through your cruelty so her and lillian are the Fenerac gifted that's the secret she's been keeping and because they're the gifted and they're twins right they're not just siblings so they can have this like mind speak 
talent that I think comes with the Fenneract gift. So yeah, the whole time she's been over here, she's basically been a spy and she's been telling her the layout of all these little portions of the village and everything. And then Tora's been trying to draw maps and do things based on what Lillian's been telling her. I was shocked when this came out. I didn't see this coming at all. And I was like, oh my God. I didn't see it either. And I think because it's always been males, right? And this was like the first time that it was females. Mm -hmm. And I knew that her and her sister had like a special bond, but it never clicked to me until this point. Yeah, when I just reread at the beginning of the podcast about her hair and her face look like mine, I'm like, oh, it does basically tell you there that they're twins because her face, she looks like me. They're twins. But yeah, when she says the males are born every hundred years, that's what they keep saying in the book. So of course you think it's a male. The beginning when they talk about how the people in the village never look at her or never yeah. really pay her much mind. And then with her sister and her sister being, I just picture like her sister was way prettier than her or there was something wrong with her looks wise. And that's why she was saying people never paid her any mind or didn't look at her. But now we realize they're actually averting their gaze because she's so fucking special they don't want to like look at her (laughs) yes that's exactly what i thought i thought oh something happened to her so she's they don't want to look at her but yeah it's because she's all powerful Mm -hmm. i loved it yeah it was very cool so she ends up fighting the core path wait because she leaves the key. This is another thing. I'm like, please don't do this. I wouldn't do any of this. I'm very cold-hearted, apparently. After he's pleading for this, his three-year-old son's life, she feels bad. And instead of keeping the key that has him chained to the wall, she puts it on the counter, which gives him an opportunity at some point to escape and maybe save his son. And I thought, I'll, I wouldn't do that. But okay. <laughs> I that was the last favor she does for him. Yeah, I did have that written down. But you're right, I skipped it when I started reading again. I liked that though about her because she's kind of having feelings for him. And she does really have a fondness for kids. Like we know from the earlier thing with getting the loaf of bread for that random child. How can she begrudge him as a father trying to do everything to protect his son? So she really takes the high road here Mm -hmm. when she leaves that key for him. Yeah. And then the next thing we know, she's thinking about her father. And when her father said to her, you're the strongest Lillian. That's why he picked her to go across the boundary. And he handed her the, the cloak of the cook the red cloak and she explains that they have been in the temple with the priestess and that artist carefully painted the ink stain permanently on my skin because the fenerak twins could cross the boundary and not be tattooed with this ink on their arms showing they were the only ones that could cross and come back with no mark on their skin so they Mm -hmm. wanted it to look like she got these ink stains on her skin when she crossed the boundary to trick them. Which is another interesting thing because if they are able to go whenever they want over the boundary, then why aren't they more like assassins and then constantly going into midnight and trying to kill off the important people? Maybe because the risk is too high? Yeah, I think this was their her first mission. She's been trained Mm -hmm. by her father. They, the twins, had been trained by her father this whole time to prep them for this one mission. Maybe they had rumors. Oh, there it did say in the book there was a rumor that that, that creature was alive and that it wasn't a mess. So I think that's what triggered this whole thing to get her to go over there to find out if the creature really was alive or if it was just BS. Yes, and they never even go to the lavender field. So that's something that kind of bothers her also that she was born to be this warrior, but they never had a chance to go in the lavender fields, but that this was kind of their first thing that they were doing. Yeah, but they or that they had a doing. higher yeah, it's a higher mission instead of all this loyalty of I want to be out there fighting with them. It's like, no, your mission is gonna be, you know, tricking this guy to take you there so you can find out if the core path is real. Yeah, so that's a good point, too, because this whole time we're reading, we think that Wyron is the one that tricked her into (laughs) getting over the boundary. But in fact, she actually tricked him and she wanted to be taken over the boundary. 
I think it's later in this book, or maybe it happened when she was confronting him about everything. She's like, who the fuck is a maiden in red in the middle of a forest who just stands there? Didn't you think it was a little odd that I was there? <laughs> like I wasn't yeah. trying to be hidden. I was wearing the brightest color to stand out in the middle of the forest. <laughs> right. Yes. And she also thinks about how her mother used to tell them stories about the core path before her this mother. This sounded terrifying. Well, it sounded like a dragon to me. Yeah. And they know that the last Anorak brothers w were two centuries ago and the core path killed them. Her mom's telling her, please don't be afraid. Even if the core path truly exists across the boundary, I'm sure the sun God himself will help you to send it to the afterlife where it belongs. So here okay. she's off to fight this thing. She does fight the core path. I really liked this fight scene. I thought it was kind of cool. She ends up like hacking with the ax through some of his scales. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, here comes Tora with an arrow. And she's able to shoot it in its neck where Lillian got those scales removed. And that's how it dies. Tor is actually the one that kills it. They worked as a team. She got rid of those scales that made it impenetrable. And her sister shot the arrow that was dipped in poison, apparently. And they killed it. And then mm -hmm. she just takes off running towards her sister. <laughs> yeah, then they run like hell back over the boundary. While the mm -hmm. midnight people freak the fuck out over what they just witnessed. I like this this is what I highlighted from when she was running back over the boundary with her sister. She does end up seeing Wyron again and she thinks, I stole one last look at him, the coppery haired night devil who stared back, the perfectly still bug in the midst of bloodthirsty spiders rushing over the grass. His eyes seemed to say his message well enough. See you in the lavender fields. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now the book's almost over because Lillian is back in Dawn. She confesses everything to the high court about what happened over there and how she used her mind speak ability to explain to Tora everything she saw and about the maps that were drawn. And then she can sense that something happens to the boundary line. This was kind of cool. And something is urging her to go check the boundary. Her sister goes to the boundary line because she's got this weird feeling and she, I think that Lillian is talking to Rolander because then her sister through that mind speak tells her, you need to get over here. As soon as she gets over there, she sees Wyron is there. And he's got the ink on his arm because he crossed the boundary. And he's not there alone because he's there with his son. Yeah. And she says to him, because they don't see the kid at first, she's like, are you lost? <laughs> And she's got her axe in her hand and her sister's ready to kill him. And she's all, you're a fool. Why did you come here? And he begs her. He's like, I don't care what you do to me, day witch, but please don't hurt my son. And that's when the kid pokes his face out from the forest. She looks at the kid and she says, a shy face appeared around a trunk, not 10 feet away. Pale skin, russet hair. My gaze shot up the small boy's gray-green eyes were wide as he watched us. And he's like, please don't harm him. And then he says yeah. he meant that he's meant to belong to the High Court of Dawn. I'm like, what? Um, And that's what she I don't she know where that says, is. It's after he asks her, please don't kill my son. And she thinks and sun gods curse him. He even looks like me. Oh, well, because the mother looked just like her. So was the mother from the Dawn Court? Oh. I'm really, I don't know what's going on with this kid. Oh, well, okay. So it's what it says is the skin around the boy's bicep was as pink as Wyron's, a fresh ink stain of black vines marking his small arm as a trespasser, a mark that meant he belonged to the High Court of Dawn and whatever wrathful punishments they could envision. So now the, they have the tattoos like, she does so their tattoos are oh, like okay. the dawn tattoos and her tattoo was a was like a midnight tattoo right are these people really gonna hurt a three-year-old child <laughs> my god these people are all these people are horrible yes i think they really would god she goes to talk to the kid and the kid was always obsessed with birds and she says tells him in the dawn temple there are hundreds of gray and violet birds that sing in the rafters do you want to see them 
and she says no one's gonna hurt you and she makes that statement for more for Rolander because Rolander's obviously in love with her and he's a warrior and he's like, take no prisoners, basically. I don't think Rolander loves her. I think he just wants her because of her prestige or her name. Okay. But his, his motivations are really unclear. It's like, can you trust him or not? And he's right. really harsh. Everything is very black and white with him, which I guess is why he's the right hand of the war commander and all these things. Well, that's the thing that I thought of when I read this book. I thought for both sides of these clans, everything is very black and white. There's no gray area anywhere in either of these clans, except for her, I think. So the story basically ends with her promising the little boy, no one's going to hurt you. The only thing the little boy says to her is, I like birds. And she says, so do I. And so the story ends with her thinking, son, God, curse him to about wiring because he knew she would have a soft spot for this kid. Mm -hmm. And that's how this book ends. Yes, on a fucking cliffhanger. Yeah. Definitely. So, so what, what you, you think? go for you go first this time. I really liked this story. As soon as she got ripped over the boundary, I was like, oh fuck. And I like basically devoured the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> oh like, my gosh, did you really? Yeah, I was like so in it as soon as she and I couldn't I didn't predict any of the I didn't predict any of the twists about them being the twins or about her being like a spy or him having a son. I didn't get all any of it at all. I was on the roller coaster the whole time. What did you rate it? I mean, I would give this like a four and a half, but oh, wow. it's not really like, I mean, they do like a couple kisses, but there's really not much like sexy times in this. I wouldn't say like wet panties. I would just say like four and a half panties. I really okay. liked it. I liked both of them. I liked how he tortures her, but not too much. All the things. Well, what about you? I, yeah, so I am not a big fan of enemies to lovers. And I was very torn about this book because there were definitely parts that I thought were like, oh my God moment. I love when I can't see things coming in a book. When he dragged her over the line, I was like, oh my god. Because at first I thought she really wasn't a warrior. I thought she's she's going to crack like a walnut because she's not a warrior. But there were also things in this book I really didn't like and were a hard read for me. I don't like when he humiliates her. I don't like the torture or what they do to her. I had a really hard time with that. And the whole time I was reading it, I was thinking if she ends up falling in love with him after what he did to her, I'm going to have a fit because no woman should allow a man to do this to her and then become her love interest. I, there is no forgiving the crap he did to her and how he humiliated her and making her drink off the disgusting ground. I'm like, oh my god, this book is so gross. I loved the twist of her being the twins. I did not see that coming at all. And I love the fact that all the time through the book, when she thinks of her sister and can hear her sister's voice in her head telling her, stay strong, you can do this, you can do this. She really was hearing her sister's voice. <laughs> because Yeah, which you find speak. out at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I was confused as to who this girl was for Wylan because he's drawn to Lillian because she looks like this woman, but he tells Lillian, I never cared for her. I wasn't in love with her. So why is he drawn to her? That was confusing. I was like, who is this woman that she looks like her, but she Lillian's from the Dawn clan. And, you know, her saying... At one point to him in the book, he says, she said, so you can murder two innocent babies in their cribs. You know, how will you get them out across the boundary? And he's all innocent. And he's like, basically, I wouldn't hesitate. Wouldn't hesitate to kill them. I'm like, they're babies. Even if I it was my enemy baby, I would pick it up and take care of it and run away to protect it. You can't kill a baby. 
Well, you can if all's fair in love and war. And if they think that if they kill this baby, it's like killing baby Hitler, I guess, in their eyes. Like if you can kill this thing before it grows up to cause more problems in the future, then it's justified in well, their eyes. Well, that's the only time I, I would have killed a baby. Oh my God. I don't know. It's like Damien, that movie Damien, when he's trying to kill that the devil who's Damien in the church with the knives and he's looking at this kid. I'm like, oh my God, this would be so freaking hard. So anyway, but the bottom line for me is even though I really enjoyed part of this book and I was surprised from time to time because of the way they treated her so cruelly, I I can't read that kind of stuff. It really gets to me. So I only gave this book one dry panty. There was, you're right. There was no romance. So nothing. And I was glad because I was upset when he kissed her or she kissed him. And I thought, oh my God, please don't make this a romance. And I was kind of glad when it didn't get any further than that. All right. But I do see why, why you liked it. I mean, you can handle enemies to lovers, but I can't. I can't handle yeah. it. The thing that still trips me up is that thing that you were reading at the beginning that came after the dedication before chapter one. I still don't mm -hmm. understand. Okay. And let me also preface. I already read the second book in this series. Tribe I'm sure of you Dawn. did. <laughs> so okay. keeping that in mind, I still don't understand what the fuck this thing is supposed to be talking about where the stuff like death meant having to face the deceased high court of the midnight clans that ruled in the afterlife, our greatest enemies, yada, yada, the soul exchange. None of that is explained in book two. Like this whole thing doesn't make any sense. Well, I'm our confused court judged their souls and their court judged ours. What? What are you talking about? Yeah. Well, in my mind, it was explained in this book. And but I don't how? know why I'm saying that. Well, because their court judges them. You know, they're judged by the Dawn clan is judged by the, the Midnight clan. And the Midnight clan is judged by the Dawn clan. But only if they cross the boundary. Right. Right? And they're only, yes. they're not even judged. They're just fucking murdered. Because she talks about any time a Midnight person came there, they were tortured and murdered. If they cross the boundary, they're considered a traitor. And so their soul is up for grabs. So not only do they torture them and kill them, but because they're traitors and their clan doesn't want them back, the opposing clan gets to keep their soul. And what is this? Our greatest enemies who lurked in the dark while alive and ate our unfit souls once they'd passed on? What? There's no soul eating that happens in this book or the next. Maybe this is all explained in the last book. I, I don't know. It's very weird. I'm actually glad that I didn't read that before I read this book because I would have been so fucking confused. Okay. I read it and I wasn't confused and I don't know why. I'm confused that I wasn't confused, but I go <laughs> that way. <laughs> like um so the only other thing I wanted to say is actually on Amazon for book two, Tribe of Dawn, mm -hmm. at the end of the blurb on Amazon, it says Tribe of Dawn is the second installment in the Sky God Tribe series by Iris Knox, loosely inspired by the fairy tale Little Red Riding Hood. Yes, I read that. And I was like, what? <gasps> because she has a red cloak on? So I will say that book two much more heavily features the Little Red Riding Hood sort of theme. Talks a lot about him being wolfish and he has the eyes and all these uh, yeah, things. They, so he's the okay. big bad wolf for sure. Yeah, they said several times in the book he had a wolfish, him and his wolfish smile. That's how she referred to his smile. And she mm -hmm. is wearing a red cloak. So now that you're saying that, it makes total sense. Oh, and I was going to say about the soul thing. So they both have their own gods. And I think the gods set up this. It says tribe of midnight, the sky god tribes. So I think their souls maybe go to the opposing gods of each tribe. I kind of deduced that when I read this book. But now that you're saying that, I'm like, where did I come from? Where'd that come from? My own imagination? I don't know. So did you like the second book? I thought when I finished this book, I thought I definitely can't read the second book because it's what's going to happen now. Is it going to be her high court torturing him or this child? I don't want to read more torture. I will say it's not the same because she's not, even though she thinks like this is what you deserve because you put me through hell. That's mm -hmm. not 
how she is as a person. So I did like it and it was pretty unexpected. We actually find out more about Rolander, her relationship with her sister and her dad and mm. how um, manipulative the dad is and Rolander's real motivation for trying to get Lillian to marry him. All these things. I liked it, but it does end on another cliffhanger. And so, and book three doesn't have a release date, which is really sad for me. Oh, Oh yeah, that's that's sad so, for everybody. I, yeah, it's a trilogy, I think, and book three isn't out yet. Book two actually came out recently, so I mean, I liked it. It was unexpected, kind of how book two went. All right, well, I'm glad you like it, but you know me, I have a hard time even when that's the what is it when those alpha males? What are those books where they end up nodding the? I, I can't handle those books. And, you know, I think that for me, if you, you know, this is just my personal thing is for me growing up in a violent household, I can't handle, I couldn't handle it growing up. It was very hard on me. And I was always the one jumping in to break up my sister or my brother getting pummeled. I understand the soul sucking fear when you are in that environment. And when I read these kind of books, where somebody's taken in front of the council or something bad's going to happen, it's a trigger for me. I guess that's mm -hmm. it. It's a trigger for me because I grew up in a very abusive household. I can't handle it. It freaks me out. And still to this okay. day, I think if I see something happening and I have interjected myself into situations where I don't know these people, but something bad's going down, I can't just stand there and watch it happen it's a huge trigger for me and hopefully one okay. day it won't get me it won't get me killed but i think that explains it yeah that makes perfect sense okay i didn't yeah. realize until we were talking but that's it yeah it makes All sense right, so though what are you reading now I'm not reading anything right now i did read actually though a book from zoe ashwood her orc protector Oh, yeah, I Which, wanted to write that down because I want to... Hold on, I'm grabbing paper. I don't want to freak you out that there's a paper moving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is book number four in the series where we did book one for the podcast, Her Orc King. So book four just came out okay. a few days ago, actually, Her Orc Protector. That was pretty good. So I read that read the next story that we're doing for the podcast oh god you're fine though we have tons of time actually we're way ahead at this point okay good so i i'm kind of it's kind of wide open actually i am excited for let me see if i can find this on instagram a book actually comes out this week that I'm really excited for because I really liked book number one mm -hmm. in this series. So the author is Carissa Broadbent. The book that I read that's already out currently, The Serpent and the Wings of Night, A Crowns of Neaxia novel, book number one is out. And then it's a duet. So then book two actually comes out this week. I'm really excited for that. It it was really good. So I'm excited for that to come out later this week. But in the meantime, I'm I'm actually listening to some audiobooks, actually. I have an audiobook oh, you I got are. from Hoopla. What is it? You're gonna laugh at this, but it is the <laughs> audiobook for Hooked by Emily McIntyre. Do you remember we talked about possibly doing that for the podcast? Oh yeah. But then we realized it's not actually a fairy tale or it's not paranormal at all. Mm hmm. Yes. So Hooked is based on Peter Pan, but it's not, there's no magic or anything in it. I'm maybe like 25% into it. It's okay. It's got a male and a female narrator. So that's kind of cool. Oh, yeah, that would be. Two mm -hmm, different both. narrators doing the book. Yeah. I'm actually listening to that lately, trying to get back into the audiobook thing. Well, I finally last night, after I restarted my Kindle, I don't know how many times got it to sync up to my phone so I could download the book that we're doing for the next podcast. And then I actually finished another of the T.S. Joyce book. Uh, that This one is called, hold on one second, Grim Christmas. It's the book four in the Daughters of the Beast book by T.S. Joyce, which was mm. good. And her fiance is the model on the cover of this book, which is hot. 
And then oh, I. <laughs> what? What'd you say? I said, oh, Johnny. Good for her. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, good for her. Hit it, girl. I'd be hitting it every time. Not even um, hit it, and, climb it. He's so much taller than her. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> So, and then I, because I couldn't get that stupid book to download, I ended up uh, going and reading, going to book seven in the uh, TF Breen series of the magical midlife crisis. And I'm on book seven, which is Magical Midlife Alliance. Oh, okay. And so, yeah, because I couldn't get our book for the podcast to download. I'm like, screw it, I can't deal with this because my ability to deal with anything at this point is highly overrated. And, oh, just to say real quickly, uh, I did go Friday to have my tattoo touched up. Oh, my God, yeah. We should have talked about that at the beginning. I know. I forgot about it. It came out so much better than originally. I, it was horrible to begin with, but... Yeah, Rachel was there, and uh, we got the tattoo refreshed and fixed. It came out yeah. great. I really like Nancy, who was our tattoo artist. Um, she was interesting to talk to, really smart and diverse. I still have that patch over the tattoo. When can I take it off? At the end of today? Yes. She said, oh, thank God. Because I don't know if it's the tattoo that is sore and hurts me or if it's hatch that's over the tattoo that's pulling on my skin. I don't know. Mm, it yeah, hurt, but just... not as badly as when I first had it done where it felt like it was. I learned something new also at the tattoo place. I learned that you can tell your tattoo artist to stop that you need a break because <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. And I have powered through all my tattoos, even though I felt like I was going to die. So we were at the tattoo shop or we were driving there and I was saying how I'm such a wimp when I get tattoos that I usually have to tell them to stop multiple times because I start to overheat and I feel like I'm going to pass out. And you were like, I didn't know you could tell them to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. And when I originally got this thing on my hip, it hurt so bad because he was just packing the color in there even though we did a shitty job i felt like somebody was holding an iron to my skin i mean it hurt so goddamn bad and all i did was bite my own hand to keep from screaming until you he would was have been done. a good uh, model on ink masters because you know on there they tell them to stop or they take a break oh you would have been the one that's like i'm gonna power through this competition for you inker tattoo artist inker that's not even a thing <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're, like, you're gonna funny. win this challenge it's funny because when you bring that show up i didn't even think of that show every time i've seen somebody tap out or say i need a break i think what a your fail fail yeah well when we go back in may to get our tattoos yeah and i tell her i need to take a break or i'm like i need a wet washcloth to put on me somewhere then you can say i failed also that's fine no <laughs> i i won't because now i understand and i honestly if it makes you feel like you're gonna faint i don't understand why you even get them i hate having the tattoos some of them hurt more than others and well sure and that know, depends sometimes on well, it's not even just, you know, having it on my arm versus my back. I mean, like, even like the outside of my wrist versus the inside of my wrist, little things like that. So sometimes they'll be doing it and it doesn't hurt that bad. And then other times they're in a different spot on my arm or on my mm -hmm. back or wherever. And then that particular spot hurts worse. Well, she had explained to us while we were there that if you get it on a joint or near a joint, it's going to hurt more. And also I don't, I can't speak for everyone, but I have enough tattoos that I have found when a girl or a female is tattooing me, it doesn't hurt at all. Like I got this, the, my first tattoo was on my ankle for my pit bull that passed away. And I had her name and a heart tattooed with wings on my ankle that didn't hurt at all. I sat up and chatted with the girl the entire time. And when I've had guys do my tattoos, they've hurt really bad. And even the one on my wrist, she looked at it and she said, God, that guy, like, could he have packed any more ink in you? And I thought, well, no wonder the damn thing hurt so bad. Her doing my hip, it really didn't hurt until the after, like, what did it take her? Two and a half hours, which shocked me. I didn't think it would take nearly that long. That's uh -huh. when I said, my skin's starting to feel like it's 
gonna burn. It's burning. I'm interested to see also to test that theory because I've never had a female tattoo artist either. Oh we'll yeah, see. so it'll be interesting to see. They have five tattoos and three of them were done by the same guy. When I stood up from that table, I did feel a little weird, but I didn't, I don't know if that was because I was laying on my side for two and a half hours or because I was starving and I get a little weird when I'm starving anyway. All of the above, I think. Yes. And the other thing we should mention is our countdown to Scotland and the reader's retreat. If you people haven't signed up and you can do it, you should sign up for the reader's retreat. You can hang with Rachel and I. And who the hell wouldn't want to do that? Yeah. Then you could see our tattoos in person. Exactly. I'll even show you the one on my hip because I nice. have no <laughs> no filter. I need a shirt that's that says no filter. Okay, so can so, we announce the next book? Yes. I was just going to say, what's our next book? And the next book is Stone Hearts, A Monster and Fae Romance by S.E. Wendell. Yeah, and this is another author that I haven't read before. And I think it's going to be good because I love gargoyles. Yes, this is the author that I had talked about a while ago that did Haven and Airy. A broken Wings duet that I really liked. The artist that does her covers is Bethany Gilbert. So she's got really good covers. I'm always excited to find another author that I like. Uh, we've been talking for an hour and a half, so we should probably go. Yeah, I gotta go. That's <laughs> <Okay>. enough. <laughs> All, All right. right well, have a, have a good day, honey. <laughs> bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books Podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media. Mm-hmm.